for Christ, to win souls. And, and, there's a, and I've heard the statement before, and I've even asked God myself. I said, well, God, I said, I could do that right here. I said, I don't have to go to the Philippines to win souls into the kingdom of God. I could do that right here in Rensselaer, Indiana. He goes, that's right, you can. I said, our whole church will win souls right here in Rensselaer. He goes, that's right, you can. He said, but why aren't you doing it? He said, go and stand in the pulpit on Sunday and ask your people, how many people here have won somebody to the Lord within the last year? He said, better yet, go stand in about half the churches in Jasper County and ask them how many people in these buildings have won somebody to the Lord in the past year. He said, furthermore, take it a step further and ask them how many people have you witnessed to about Christ in the past year? He said, now the Great Commission wasn't just toward preachers, it wasn't just to missionaries, and it wasn't just to evangelists, but it was to everybody. It was to all believers, everyone that gets down on their knees or stands up, however you do it, and asks Jesus Christ into your heart, the Great Commission was for you. It's for me, and that's why I'm going to the Philippines, and that's why we are here today, so that we might go back out into the four corners of Jasper County or wherever you might be and tell others about Christ. I have some statistics here that deal with evangelism. Nine out of ten American adults cannot accurately define the meaning of the Great Commission. Thirty percent of all adults know the meaning of the expression, the gospel. Sixty percent of Christians claim they have shared their faith with a non-Christian in the last year. That's sixty percent. That means forty percent of believers went an entire year without sharing the gospel to anybody. Americans living in the south of the United States are more at liberty to share the gospel at a 40% rate to others than those living in the Midwest and the West who do at a 25% rate and in the Northeastern United States who do so at a 22% rate. Recent studies show that 50% of the people that are one to Christ in the United States of America, 50% of the time it is by a parent witnessing to a child. 20% of the time you are led to Christ by a friend and only 7% of the time are you led to Christ by a pastor in a church. 12% of the time you are led to Christ at an event, a conference, or something that somebody took you to. What is that saying when it's 7% for a pastor and 12% for a conference, but 50% for, an, for a, a parent or an adult and 20% for a friend? It means this, that one-on-one -on -one talking and sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ is just as effective today as it was back in the book of Acts. It means that we have all been commissioned according to the word of God to go out and preach the gospel to every living creature. Every living creature, not just those we like, not just those we feel comfortable around, not just those that we want to talk to because we think they're nice, but every living creature, it is our job to go out and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. And I'm going to share some scriptures here in a moment that's going to support what I'm saying. You do not have an option when it comes to the Great Commission. Nowhere, and Christ gave the Great Commission, did he say, now, you are, are supposed to do this only if you're having a bad day and you want to feel good about yourself, so go tell someone about Christ so that you feel good about yourself. He did not give them an option. He did not make it optional. It was a command that was given. And how many knows if you disobey a command, you're getting what? You get in trouble to disobey a command given directly by Christ himself. That's transgression against God's word. Transgression against God's word is what? Sin. That's right. That's sin. So what I'm going to be talking about today are four scriptures that have four separate calls for sinners. The first one is in Acts 26 and the 19th chapter. Acts 26 and 19. 
It says, whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. There has to be a call from within. Point number one, a call from within. I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. What was the heavenly vision? The heavenly vision is that all men might be saved. The heavenly vision is the great commission. If you look in 1 Timothy, I'll just read this, you don't have to turn to it, 1 Timothy, the second chapter, verse 1 through 4, For all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Verse 4, Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth? Then Matthew 28, 19 and 20, the Great Commission, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Back 2 Timothy verse 4, Who have all, he would that all be saved. Now that's a lot that I just ran through, wasn't it? But that's okay, that's why we have a podcast, so you can go back and listen to it. But that scripture in Timothy tells us it is God's will that all men be saved. It is God's will that all men be saved. Now, how is God going to accomplish that all men be saved? Who does he use to get that task accomplished on earth? He uses you and I, the believer. That's why the Great Commission, because it's his will that everybody be saved. Now, does everybody on the earth get saved before they die? No, they don't. There are many that die and perish and they go to hell because they chose not to accept Christ. Now, this question you got to ask yourself is this. Did they die? Did they perish? And they, did they go to hell because there wasn't somebody there telling them about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Maybe there was a time when God told you to go and share and talk to that individual and you didn't do it. That's why it is absolutely 100% correct when you say God's will will not always be accomplished on this earth. Just because something is God's will doesn't mean it's going to happen because it is his will that everybody be saved and it doesn't happen. Why? Because he works through the human element. He works through the corporate spiritual body. He works through you and I and it's up to us to be obedient unto his perfect will that he has for our life to accomplish the task that he has on this earth. And when we disobey God, when we don't fulfill that will that he has willed in our life to be done, then lives die and people go to hell. So it says here, it was his will that all men be saved. Now you look back in the very first scripture I read, Acts 26, 19, whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. The heavenly vision there is the great commission, God's will, that all men might be saved. A call from within, a cry from within, a yearning within inside of you that is saying, go out and tell this individual about Christ. Have you ever walked into a store, walked into school, walked into your job and been somewhere and been like, man, I just felt this tugging on my heart to go over there and say something to this individual that is the call from within that's God speaking it's the Holy Spirit representing through with inside you saying go and talk to this individual I remember the story that brother Mark told me one time when he was driving down the road he drew, drove past a car I believe you still remember the guy's name and you went back and you talked to the individual about Christ and that individual is waiting to hear about Christ there are going to come times in your life when you're going to feel a yearning, you're going to feel a tug, you're going to feel a pull, and when those times come, you must react. There's a lot of times you're just going to see individuals, you'll be like, you know, I'm going to tell this person about Christ, I'm going to share the love of Christ with them, but there are those certain, those special times when you're going to feel that tugging on your heart, you're going to be like, you know, I really need to say something nice to this person, I really need to say something about Christ to this person. That's the Holy Spirit giving you an unction within, because God has that person ready, and there's something that they need to hear from you. 
Don't waste those opportunities. You will never feel the joy and, and, and the happiness inside you in your life. I don't care, grandchild, I don't care what it is in this life. The joy and, 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 and the, the peace you feel when you win somebody to the Lord, when you lead someone to Christ, will far outweigh anything you have ever experienced in your life. Well, I don't know about that, Pastor. Have you ever done it? Have you ever done it? Don't tell me what you don't know. Point number two, Acts the 16th chapter and the ninth verse. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. This is the call from without. That is what Paul heard when the man from Macedonia called out to him. There's a call that comes without, and we are compelled to respond to it. And I believe that when, when I was presented with the opportunity to go to the Philippines, it was a call from without. It was a call from a nation that was lost, that was dying. I believe when I was called by God to come to, to Rensselaer, Indiana, there was a call from without. There was a call beckoning me to come to Rensselaer, Indiana as well. Why? Because there were lives that needed to be changed. There were lives that needed to be touched. There's going to come a time when somebody's going to pick up the phone or they're, going to, or they're going to mention something to you and they're going to physically be calling out to you saying, I want to know about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask this question in here today. And, and this, this question goes to everybody. If somebody was to pick up the phone tomorrow and call you on the phone and said, man, lead me to Christ, could you do it? Would you know what to say? Would you know what to pray? Let me say this. If a person's picking up the phone and saying, man, lead me to Christ, they're ready to be led to Christ. There's not much work you're going to have to do. The Holy Spirit's already done it. But will you know what to pray? Will you know how to lead that individual? You know how many times I've received phone calls in my life? Hey, man, I got an individual over here. Can you come over here and, and pray with them because they want to be saved? Let me say this first and foremost. It doesn't take a pastor or an evangelist, a prophet, apostle, or a missionary to lead somebody to Christ. Any person that's born again can lead somebody to Christ. Okay? Every person in here can do it. But would you know what to say? Would you know how to pray? It's not difficult, trust me, but what happens is Satan begins to trick us in our mind. It's his last-ditch effort. Remember what I said at the beginning, anytime there's a move of God, a move the devil's going to accompany it, and he tries to cast doubt into our minds, simple doubt, simple fear that we can't get the job done. So you call up a pastor, you call somebody else, and he's like, all right, I'll be there in two hours, and the guy dies in the process. Well, what's the chances of that happening? It happens all the time. I got a good friend of mine, well, I had a good friend of mine in, in, in Georgia by the name of Josh Wilkins. It was, his, it was his birthday, driving home from work. Him and his son shared the same birthday. It was his son's first birthday. He gets in the car to make a 20-minute drive from work to home, and just like that, he was gone. Don't allow that person that God has placed in your heart, placed in your mind, that Macedonia call, that individual that calls you, that comes to you, that asks you questions about God. Don't let those opportunities slip past you. Don't let those opportunities go by. God has placed you to stand in the gap for a reason, to intercede on that person's behalf, to share the love of God with them. I don't care if it's 2 o'clock. Since I've been here, I've had calls 2, 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning. My phone is by my bed. When an individual texts me or when they call me because they want to talk, I pick up that phone. I get out 
out of my bed, I go into the other room, and I talk to him because you never know what is on that individual's mind. You never know what they are thinking. I have had people call me since I've been here in Rensselaer, Indiana, that don't even attend this church, have never stepped foot through the door of that church, that call me every week, and I counsel them, and I talk to them about Jesus Christ. Why? Because that's what I'm here for. And I'm not saying that because I'm a pastor. I'm saying that because I'm a born-again Christian believer in Jesus Christ. And I have a great commission, whether I'm preaching in this pulpit or whether I'm a construction worker, whether I'm working on a line in a factory, whatever my occupation is, once I said yes to Jesus, that said yes to the cross, I become a missionary to my community to win others to Jesus Christ. These printouts are killing me. Number three is found in Hebrews 12, 1, a call from above. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, so great a cloud of witnesses, this is what being watched down from above from the heavens. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. That is a call from above, the cloud of witnesses. The Bible tells us that heaven rejoices more for one person that says yes to Jesus, that said yes to the cross, than an entire hundred, and then I believe it says, than of 99 Christians that are living a faithful life that are living a righteous life for that one. Remember, it was Christ that got out of the boat, that got in the boat and went across to chase after the one. He left the thousands behind to go after the one. Church, there might be one in your life today, one person that you know that is not saved, that is not born again, and you might be the only person that they will listen to. Because let me tell you something, a sinner won't listen to everybody. There are a lot of times a sinner doesn't want to hear a word out of a pastor. I got a brother right now that, that, that won't listen to me at all when it comes to talking about God. This is a young man that was raised in the church his entire life. He won't listen to me at all about, about God. So you know what? I don't talk to him about God. I talk to him about everything else. I try to show him love. I try to show him patience so that one day when he has that tugging back in his heart, when he feels that Holy Spirit presence that he once felt one day, his entire life raised in the church, and now he's nowhere near the church. And when that day comes, and I believe he's going to call me, and I'm going to lead him back to the cross. But until that day comes, I'm hoping and praying that there's other people where he's at that's going and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every person in here knows somebody in your life that really don't want to hear the message of God from you, but they'll hear it from somebody else. You, 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 and you might be the person in this room that somebody won't listen to me, but they'll listen to you. And God might be telling you when you go into your job, when you go into your school, when you go into wherever it is you're going, you might be presented with an opportunity to share the gospel that I will never ever have and God's saying are you ready when that time comes are you ready to lead them to the Lord are you ready to say the sinner's prayer with them how many here remember the time when you got saved when you said the sinner's prayer when, when, when you cried out to God and you said the sinner's prayer do you remember what you said in the sinner's prayer do you think you could repeat that sinner's prayer back with somebody else as they're getting saved It's a simple prayer. I mean, it's not like it's some great prayer. It's not like there's some scripted prayer. I mean, the way that come across was like, well, you better find it in the Bible and memorize it. It's nothing like that at all. Don't get me wrong. But there is a prayer that you have to confess. You have to believe that, that Jesus was, was born of a virgin, that he died on the cross and he rose again on the third day. Those things are important because they're the foundation and the belief of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And when a person confesses their sins and asks for repentance, they're putting their faith in that person that they're saying. And, and why is it important to say that I, I believe that you died on a cross? I believe that you rose again. Because in saying that you believe that he rose again, you're saying right then through those words, I believe in eternal life. I believe in the miraculous. I believe that my life was once dead and once I accept him into my heart, now I am rebirthed. Now I have come forth. Now I am alive again. And let me tell you something. It takes faith to say that. Amen. Now, if you can't say that with passion and you can't say that with faith, then you got a problem and you might as well not be saying the prayer. But you must earnestly believe that what you're saying. You must earnestly believe that what you're confessing. You must earnestly believe in your heart that's what you're repenting. And when you earnestly believe that in your heart, then the change is going to take place inside of here. Amen. There's a change that takes place in here, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's a physical change that takes place in your life. There's a spiritual change that takes place in your life. Point four, which I believe is the most important point out of these far as the call from beneath. In Luke, the 16th chapter, the 28th verse, you will turn there. Luke 16 and 28. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Soul winners have a call from within, one from without, one from above, and lastly, they have one from below. And here in Luke, the 16th chapter, we find the, we find the rich man that had died. Each day Lazarus laid at his table and, and would beg for the crumbs to eat off his table. And now we find the rich man that has died, he is in hell. And he is crying out. At one point he cries out that, they, that he would just take his finger and Abraham would just take his finger and dip it in the water and, and put it on his tongue to cool his tongue. At another time he cries out that they, they would send people to his five brothers, I believe it's five of them, and to, and to tell them about Christ, to tell them about the gospel so that his family, tell everybody in his family so that they won't end up in the same place. Let me tell you something. There's a prayer, there's a, there's a mighty prayer session taking place, church in hell. From all those that have died and gone there and realized that their loved ones are headed to the same place. And there's a whole group of people in hell that are crying out to God. Send someone to my brother. Send someone to my sister. Send someone to my mom and dad. Send someone to my grandchildren. Send them and tell them that this place is real. That it's miserable. That it's tormenting. That it's hot. And that it's eternal. But praise God, church, they don't hear it. That cry is deafening. It is not heard by anybody. It is up to you and I to answer that prayer from those that are hell and in hell and go to the four corners of the earth and preach the gospel to every living creature. Amen. Don't be the one that wakes up and finds yourself in hell and is wanting somebody to go and talk to your kids or your moms or your dads or your friends or your co-workers about Jesus Christ, but instead be the one that stands in the gap that prevents it from taking place. Be the one that stands up and says, I serve Jesus Christ and I'm wanting to tell you about him today. I want to introduce you to him. He's my friend that sticketh closer than the brother for greater is he that is in me than he that is in your world, Buck. And you've got a choice today. You you can accept him or someday you can cry out from the abscess pit of hell that someone go and tell your loved ones about him. Amen. <clears throat> well, I don't want to offend them. Well, I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. It's a family reunion, pastor. It's going to be a family reunion someday in heaven and there's going to be one in hell. Which one you want them to be a part of? 
problem with, with the man that was in hell is he waited too late. Today's message has been about evangelism. Every person in here is called to fulfill the Great Commission. To fulfill the Great Commission. Somebody say Great Commission. That means we're all commanded, according to the Word of God, to go out and tell somebody about Jesus, point blank. Point blank, to tell somebody about Jesus. In a couple months, I'm going to come up here, and I'm going to stand in this pulpit, and I'm going to preach, and I'm going to ask the same question I asked at the beginning of this message. How many in the last few months have told somebody about Jesus? You know what's awesome is when somebody calls me up as a pastor, and I've had this happen like, Pastor, you ain't going to believe this, man. I led somebody to Christ the other day. I say, I, I led somebody to Christ, somebody that was bound for hell. They'd punched their ticket for hell. I began to talk to them about Jesus, and they, they, they said the sinner's prayer with me and got saved. That's incredible. That, that, is, that is awesome. Why is it so awesome? Not just because another soul's been added in the kingdom of God, but somebody was obedient under the cross. Somebody was obedient under the word of God. Somebody obeyed what the word says. Somebody obeyed the great commission. And because of that, a life was saved. When I look around this room here today, I believe every person in here is saved. Okay? That means at some point in time, there was somebody that either talked to you about Christ, that either invited you to church, that either invited you to come to the altar, or said the sinner's prayer with you. Somebody in your life had enough decency and respect for the person that you are to tell you about Jesus Christ, and it compelled you to the cross. Why is it that once we get saved, we no longer feel that way, and we no longer pay it forward, as the world likes to say? Why is it the church today, you heard the statistics that I read earlier, why is it that the church today doesn't feel the need to go that extra step? We'll go that extra step and help them cut their grass. We'll go the extra step and help them with their bills. We'll go the extra step and we'll wash their car for them or we'll pick their kids up from school. But we won't go the extra step with that, with that, that is important and tell them about Jesus Christ. You're like, well, I'm not a big talker. It's difficult for me to do that, and I understand that. But let me tell you something. There's another way that you can witness to people other than opening up your mouth and talking to them, and that's through the way that you live your life. There's a lot of times with the way that you live your life, it's going to be the only Bible that people you know see. They're reading you like a book. They know what you represent. They know who you are. They're watching your every single action, and they're chronicling it. You ever been around that person at work that they come in and they're just happy and they're joyful and you're like, you gravitate to that person because just being around them uplifts you and makes you feel better. Marty's one of those people. Every time I get around Marty, man, he's always got a smile on his face. Not saying that none of you else are. I can see the frown. Why you pick Marty? <laughs> but Marty's just a happy guy. Everybody, everybody know how happy Marty is all the time? Amen. See a few people going like that. Tab, Jesse. That's okay. I understand where you guys are at. But I just like being around Marty. You know why? Because Marty's just always in a good mood. Just like today when I get up and I've been preaching, I look over there and Marty's making faces at me. <laughs> and, you know, it, it knocked me back a second. Not like my dad did with the airplane. But that's Marty. And I, you know how many times I've talked about Marty in that light and I've heard people say, yeah, that, that's just Marty. That's just Marty. You know why that's Marty? He's got the Son of the Living God inside of him. 
Because he prays and he reads his Bible. Now, all you guys are good. I'm not saying you ain't like that. I can, I can hear it now. Hey, I'm going to hang out with Marty. He wants Marty good. He can have Marty. Well, I'm leaving. That's okay. Your foul mouth. But I love being around a guy. My kids do. I bet you Jude would be quiet for Marty. Jude had a dream about Marty the other day. He woke up that Marty had took him to the park and had bought him a truck. And he was looking all over that room for that truck that Marty bought him. So guess who ended up going and buying a truck that day to shut Jude up because he wouldn't be quiet? Not Marty. <laughs> but that's the impact that he's even had on that little guy's life. Why? Because it's the Spirit bearing witness in him. The Spirit bearing witness in him into who he is coming out. If Marty never said a word to me and I just saw him as an individual, I would know that Jesus lives in him just by the way he lives his life. Every day you have opportunities with those people that you come into contact with, either to open your mouth and vocally tell them about Jesus Christ or to allow his light to shine through you and be a testimony as to who you are. And, and let me tell you something. The job doesn't mean you get a free pass. You know how many people, I worked for a company for the longest time, for like six, seven years, called Clean Air Research. And they proclaim themselves to be a Christian company. We only are Christians, we're a Christian company, blah, 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 which is good. I mean, that was great. You know, we never worked Sundays. But man, you did something wrong, and I'll tell you what, they were in your face chewing you up one side and down the other. And there were many times I thought, man, I ain't going to their church. <laughs> Let your light shine for him. It doesn't say 16 hours a day, the eight hours you're at work, you got a free pass. Let your light shine for him 24-7. Well, we keep inviting so-and-so from, from, from work to church, but he don't ever come. Yeah, because he sees you at work. He doesn't want to get yelled at at church. The Great Commission, fulfilling it in every aspect of our life. Does that mean you're never going to get mad? No, man, Jesus got mad. He drove out the money changers. He drove them straight out of the church. Can you imagine that? So I'm not saying you're never going to get mad, you're never going to get upset on the job. Come on, man, I know who some of you people work with. I know who Rick works with. Zach. So I know he's going to get mad. But if you do get mad, go back to that individual and try to make it right. Because you don't know what life is hanging in your hand. You don't know how close that individual might have gone to bed the night before and said, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to work to talk and, and I'm going to talk to Julie about God. Because I can't have my life going the direction that it's going anymore. It's, 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 it's fallen on hard times. I know that she's saved. I see she's got a Bible in her car. When I go to, go to the parking lot during the day, I'm going to ask her about Jesus. Then Julie shows up to work the next day. She got mad at Rick because Rick didn't take out the trash and lift the lid in the morning. So she's all mad when she goes to work. And she gets there and she's got an attitude. She's kicking stuff. She's throwing stuff around. Which I really couldn't see you doing that, to be quite honest with you. But in this case, she did because she's really mad. And that individual walks in and sees that and immediately changes their mind. You don't know when you approach somebody with that attitude and that temperament what they were about to ask you or who they were about to ask you about. There are going to be times when I'm in the Philippines the next week where I'm going to get very aggravated at a taxi driver or a bus driver or something like 28 million people, third largest city in the world. 
There are going to be times I'm going to get very aggravated, but I don't have the liberty. I'm not going to have the right to get mad. Why? Because my rights go by the wayside when I become a Christian because now I have a responsibility. So my responsibility outweighs my rights. Can you say amen? amen. Let's all stand. Crystal, please come forward.